series called Crazy Generations. And that's what crazy is all about. It's about changed lives. And Jesus is radically changing lives in this church, and we give him all the glory. And, and that's what we're all about at this church, is change lives and more changed lives. And that's why uh, a year ago, we kicked off the crazy campaign. And we realized there are more lives that need to be changed in Oklahoma City. And that's why uh, we're building this 44,000 square foot addition that we'll be moving into very shortly because we realize that more people's lives need to be changed by the power of Jesus Christ. That's why many of us last year, we made a three-year commitment and we pledged over $3.1 million to be given over a three-year period to the crazy campaign because we realize that many people are far, far from God and they need their life transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And that's why many of us in this place today, we've been giving faithfully to the crazy campaign over and above the Lord's tithe because we want to see people's lives transformed by the power of Christ. And, and the crazy thing is just the way the Lord continues to change people here at People's Church. And I don't know, are we growing like crazy? We are four to 500 people bigger right now than we were this time last year in a 17,500 square foot facility we're meeting in. Our, our student ministries director, Chris Smith, moved here from Ohio. He was attending a church, 150, 200 people, and he, he always reminds me that the church he attended in Ohio, their building, is bigger than our building. And I say, well, bless your heart. Amen. But we're going to take care of that problem and get a lot more space to continue to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Just in December of 08, we had a man, life changed. His life totally changed. Got set free from drugs committed to attending church here, and God is doing a radical work in his life. Just in January, it was so awesome what God did through the Destination series and uh, testimonies and uh, lives that have been changed. And one of the testimonies is there was a family that was getting ready to, to split up and give up on, on, on their marriage. And through that series on the principle of the path and hearing that teaching, uh, they were getting ready to go on a path that was going to be very detrimental. But, but the Lord done a work in, in, in some hearts and they're going to make the marriage work and make the proper decisions. And God, I mean, no, God changes lives still. Amen. God is still in the life changing business. And that's what we're all about here at People's Church is we believe that Jesus is still changing lives and we want to have a great impact upon our city. And you'll notice in your bulletin today, there is a two year commitment card. And if you're new with us today, uh, what we're doing is our church family is, uh, we're, this is our one year uh, celebration next Sunday. We're going to be making two year commitments to the Lord and celebrating God's goodness and worshiping and thanking Jesus for all that he's done. Not only celebrating our past and all the life change, but we're celebrating our future because our future is a lot better than our past. How I many you know that's good news? I'm glad we're a part of a church today together that our future is brighter than our, our, our past days. God has some wonderful things ahead for us. And so what I'm asking you as a church family to do, and Tiffany and I will be joining you on this journey, is let's pray. Let's seek God over the next week and ask the Lord what He wants to do through us over this next two years. 
Some of you will be like Tiffany and I, and you'll be renewing your commitment to the Lord. We made a commitment last year to the Lord, and uh, we, we are giving that over. We're already over a third of our giving towards that commitment, and so we're going to be renewing our commitment to the Lord. And some of you will be joining us. There, there are others uh, of you in this place that you made a commitment last year, and for whatever reason, life circumstances, issues came up, whatever the reason, you haven't got started on that commitment yet. Or maybe you're way behind on that commitment, and there's no way you can make it up. Well, I want to encourage you. Listen, there's no condemnation in this place man be free be released but would you start from today next weekend would you make that commitment to the lord we're also going to be receiving a special crazy offering we all want to all pray and give our best towards uh, to, to, to the lord uh, towards our building campaign next sunday so what a great opportunity for maybe you to get caught up or just get started just get started and get get to giving and watching what god does in your life and through this church to impact more people. Uh, there, there are some of you in this place, and man, I'm proud of some of you, what God has done through your life. This is awesome. There are some people in our church who made a three-year commitment, and the Lord has blessed them in such a way that they finished that three-year commitment in one year. Isn't that awesome? So we just praise God for that, what he's done through your life. And I would encourage you to just go back before the Lord and say, Lord, there's two years left in this campaign. What do you want to do through me? What can I do over the next two years to make a difference for your kingdom, to see more lives changed? And then we've grown a lot, man. This church is a growing church, running over 2,000 people now in these four identical experiences. And so I want to encourage everybody that's new here, would you pray? And many of you will be making a first-time commitment to the crazy campaign next Sunday. So you hear from God and seek His face and allow the Lord to speak to you that you can partner with this church and partner with God to see more lives change. You say, Herbert, what is crazy all about? Maybe this is your very first Sunday. What is it all about? It's about more lives being changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And as we prepare our hearts over the next week to seek God's face, to hear from Him about our commitment to the Lord, what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about the greatest struggle in life. The greatest struggle in life. And the greatest struggle in life is who's the boss? <laughs> who's going to be the boss of our life? And man, when I was growing up and we woke up Oklahoma and I was a kid, I don't know about your daddy and mama, but my daddy and mama liked to boss me around. It was no, we, we didn't have to wonder who was in control around that house. Anybody else grew up in a house like that? I mean, mama and daddy, you knew they were the boss. You know what I mean? Eat your vegetables. I don't want to eat it much. You're not getting no dessert. You eat your vegetable. I want to eat something else. Well, let me tell you. Too bad. You eat what I put on the table. Make your bed. Go to bed. My parents told us, made us go to bed at 8.30 when we was growing up. Even in the summertime, the light is still outside. I mean, we go, hey, go to bed. I don't have school. I'm going to go to bed. Wash the dishes. Some of you, you got a dishwasher. Listen, I was the dishwasher when I was growing up. <laughs> well, no dishwasher. It was soaps and bubbles and a rag. You better get them dishes and dry them off too. It better not have spots in the morning. And I, I was one of those, I was a bad kid. I was one of those kids. I, I put some of the dirty dishes and pots in the stove. Anybody ever done that before? Oh, uh, I was bad. I was bad. And I used to hide them in the stove until I got caught one morning. Oh, I didn't do that no more. I'm going to tell you that. When I got caught, I, I quit hiding them in the stove. And I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait when I thought when I got 13 years old, I'm a teenager. And I'm going to get some respect around this house. I mean, I'm a teenager. You know how you was when you was a teenager? I'm a teenager. 13. I want her to know that I need some freedom around here. I mean, I need to stay up later. I'm not, I need to get some control of my life. And my dad and mama, they used to say stuff to us like this. Boy, 
We brought you into this world and we will take you out. Some of you have some parents like mine, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Well, I backed off. Look at here. Oh, I'll hush you up now. And here's what I thought. When I turn 16, I'm going to start driving and I'm going to get some more freedom. I can't wait when I start driving. When I start driving, I'll be 16. I'm going to get some more freedom. And let me tell you something. I got 16. I started driving. And my mom and daddy still bossed me around. Here's what time you be home. Here's what time you can leave. Here's what time you got to be back into the house. I mean, still, I thought, you know what? I can't wait to get out of their house. I want to get out on my own. I need my freedom. I, I need to be independent. Live my own life. My, not only is my daddy and mama bossing me around, but my teachers at high school are bossing me around. My coaches at football, basketball, track, baseball, they're bossing me. I need to get out on my own and be my own man. And so I went off to college to Arkansas, out of state. I got to give me some freedom. Get away from these crazy people. I need my freedom. Got off to college, and my professors were bossing me around. <laughs> My, my football coach in college was still bossing me around. And I thought, you know what? When I get out of college, I'm going to get my freedom. I'll be my own man. I, I need my freedom. I'm tired of people bossing me around. And then I got out of college, and I got my first student loan bill. And they were bossing me around, telling me when to pay my bills. Huh? I thought I, I went. And then I got that electricity bill. I wanted to go live back with daddy and mama. You know what I'm saying? Nobody told me that they charge you for electricity. I didn't, I didn't know that. I just turned on the light at the house. And, and still bossing me around. I started traveling as a speaker, and the pastor would boss me around, tell me how long I had and what he wanted me. I preaching in churches and conventions. Here's what we want you to preach on. They still bossing. Here I am, grown, got my degrees, and they're still bossing me around. I mean, here I want to be my own man. Nobody can tell me what it. Then I got married. <laughs> love my wife, love my wife, but the two become one flesh. I'm not on my own. And then there was the most demanding boss in the world. I'm going to talk to you about the, the most demanding bosses I have. And that's my kids. I mean, my kids are bossy. Daddy, dad, I poopy. But change your own diaper. I've been doing it for a year now. Have you not picked up? Lay down, wipe. I mean, <laughs> dad, dad, I poopy. Dad, Jamie, dad, poopy, dad. I just changed you 30 minutes ago. Could you not get all the poop out 30 minutes ago? What's the deal? Dad, I thirsty. Dad, dad, thirsty. I thirsty. Okay, well, you want to drink some orange juice? Okay. No, I mean apple juice. I'm pouring the orange juice. What do you want? Orange apple. Daddy, daddy, can you put on VeggieTale cartoon? I'm watching the sports today. I will watch cartoon. I mean, they boss me around. Here I am, I got a little kid that can't even spell telling me what to do. It's, it's the struggle in life. I want to be my own boss. And then you find out in life as you get older, somebody's always going to tell you what to do. You never are totally independent. There's this struggle inside. And you know that same struggle in life of wanting to be independent, wanting our freedom. We want to be our own boss. That's the greatest struggle in the Christian faith. That's the greatest tension. That's the greatest dilemma. When it comes to following God, the greatest tension is this. Who's going to be the boss? And Paul addresses this question in Romans chapter number 14 and verse number 7. <clears throat> he says this. I love it out of the living Bible. He says, we are not our own bosses. That needs to be revelation to somebody today that thinks you need to be in control of your life. Paul says, no, we are not our own bosses to live or die as we ourselves might choose living or dying. We follow the Lord either way. 
we are his. He simply means this. While you're, while you're alive, if you're a Christian, you belong to God. When you die, you belong to God. You are not your own. You belong to the Lord. He said Christ died and rose again for this very purpose. What purpose? Why did Christ die and rise again? Why did he hang on that cross of Calvary? The verse goes on to say, so that he can be our Lord. Listen, Christ didn't die on the cross and rise again just to be your Savior. He died on the cross and rose again because he wants to be your Lord. He wants to be in control. He wants to be the boss. And the plan that he has for you is wonderful. He wants to lead you in paths of peace. He wants to bless your life. He wants to give you life and life more abundantly. And we mess up our own lives. We wreck our own lives when we try to take control and be the boss. So for this very reason, Christ died and rose again so that he can be our Lord. Not just our Savior, but our Lord. Both while we live And when we die, he wants to be the boss. He wants to be the the Lord while we live and when we die. And we like the idea of Jesus being our Lord when we die. (laughs) I mean, one of the reasons that you and I give our lives to Jesus Christ is because we want to secure our eternity. We we want to spend eternity in heaven and, and not in hell. And so, man, we want to trust God with our eternity. God, when I die, I want you to be the Lord. I want you to be the captain. I want to spend forever in your presence. And, and the real issue, the real tension is this. We're comfortable. We're comfortable with giving God our future when it, when it comes to dying and our eternal security in heaven. We're comfortable with that. But the real issue, the real dilemma that we have is giving God control while we're alive. We want to give him control when we're dead. But he wants to be in control while we live. And we struggle with that. We want God to be in control of areas that we can't control. That's why we give him our, our, we're comfortable with giving him our eternity because we say, God, you know what? I can't control this. So, hey, would you take control of my eternity? Because I I need to trust you with my eternity. And God looks at us and says, what are your other options? (laughs) Trust me or what else can you do? I don't have any more options. That's why I'm trusting you. Yeah, exactly. Lord, Lord, protect my kids. My kids are away from me. They moved out of the house. They're on a school trip. They're, 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 they're away from me today at school. And so, Lord, I'm tra- placing my kids into your hands. Well, what are your other options? You can't control this situation, can you? And so you, you want to give it to me. And the real issue is this. You, you, you want to you wanna trust me with areas of your life that you can't control. But I want you to trust me with areas of your life that you can control. I want to be the boss. I want to be the Lord. I want to be the captain. And friends, can I tell you that Jesus wants to be the boss of your body? Point number one, he wants to be the boss of, of your body. The scripture says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 19. It says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. Notice this. You are not your own. Man, I hope this just sinks in. This is the theme of my message today. You are not your own. Herbert, I can do what I want. I can live how I want. I can dress how I want. No, 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 no. If you belong to God, listen, he is your boss. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. There's an old song that said, it's your thing. Do what you want to do. I can't tell you 
who to sock it to. And God says, yes, I can. Yes, I'm your boss. I'm your daddy. I'm your Lord. You don't do what you want to do with your body. You don't dress how you want. Listen, here's what the scripture says. Listen, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. You're not your own. The scripture goes on to say in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your bodies as living sacrifices. And that's where it gets difficult because we don't want to sacrifice. We want Christianity that doesn't cost us anything. We want to add Jesus to everything else that we already do. And that's not being a follower of God. That's not being a disciple. A disciple is, I am not my own. You mean, Herbert, if I'm going to follow God, it's going to cost me something? Oh, yeah. He says, offer your body as a living sacrifice. I don't want a living sacrifice. Lord, I'll sacrifice when I'm dead. I'll give you a dead sacrifice. I want you to mess with my eternity, not with my life. No, 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 no. You offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, not your boyfriend. Not your girlfriend, not your friends, not society, not the culture. You offer your body as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. God, how do I please you with my body, with my life, with my lifestyle? This is your spiritual act of worship. Last year, I I did this illustration for you. Uh, If you weren't here, I talked about this. And the greatest struggle is this, is God wants to be the Lord. He wants us to get on the table. He wants us to be a sacrifice. God, I give you my entire life. And yet many of us, most of us go through life never getting on the table. We might get a leg on the table. We might give God an arm. But you know what, God? I want to do my own thing. I want to live like I want to live. I don't want to surrender my entire life to you. And God says, listen, I want to be the boss. I want to be the boss of your body. Number two is this. I want to be the boss of your time. The boss of your time. The scripture says in Titus chapter 2, Verse number 13 and 14, while we wait for the blessed, blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself, listen to this, purify for himself a people that are his very own. I want to be the boss. I died on the cross and rose again, not just to be your Savior. I want to be your Lord. For himself a people that are his very own. Notice what he says. Eager to do what is good. You see, when we give God everything and we let him be the boss of our life, the scripture says we are not our own. We belong to him and we are eager to do what is good. Lord, my time is in your hand and I want to do what you want me to do. And yet some would struggle coming to church. Herbert, I just can't make it to church. You know, I just, I, I just can't get to church. And, and the real issue is this, is that we, we want to be in control. We want to be the boss. We, we got our own schedule, all things we want to do, and our own shopping, and our own extracurricular activities, and we can't make it. But the real issue is this, that, that you know what? We, we want to be in control of our lives. We want God to fit into what we want to do instead of us fitting into what God wants us to do. We try to reduce God down to our size. And make God to adjust to what we want to do. You know, the reason people don't serve and serve in ministry and get, get, make, make a difference in the community is, I mean, we're selfish people. I, I'm selfish. You're selfish. And it's a sacrifice that God to lay on the table. You know, I thought about this this week. You know, at this church, we ask people to serve, for, mo- mo- for the most part, an hour a week on Sunday, an hour a week. And 
Some people struggle with that. I can't serve. I can't, I can't make time to do that. And we have 168 hours in our week, 168 hours, and we can't give God one. But yet we would say, you're the Lord of my life. God, no, 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 no. I'm not in control, God says. Huh, you can't even give me. A, I mean, some of you, some of you grew up in churches where y'all used to worship four hours. That's right, not four, four. Four hours. Ha! And now we only have an hour long experience. Serve one, worship one. I can't, can't do that. And, and the real issue is we're not on the table. We, we want to be in control of our time. And God says, you've got this thing all right. I'm not just your savior. I'm not just your buddy. I'm not just your homeboy. I'm not just your friend. I'm your boss. I, I'm your Lord. I want to be in control. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 15 says, And he died for all. Why did he die for all? That those who live should no longer live for themselves. Oh, it's difficult, but we got to be a living sacrifice. We no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Lord, my life belongs to you. My body belongs to you. My time belongs to you. And my goal in life is to please you and to bring you honor. Not only does God want to be the boss of our body, the boss of, of your time, but God wants to be the boss of your money, the boss of your money. I want to take you to a portion of Scripture here. It's one of my favorite giving portions of Scripture uh, regarding God being in control. And what I want you to see here is this is David and Israel as they were preparing to build the temple for the Lord. And what I want you to notice more than anything else, here's what I want you to get out of this. I want you to see David's perspective. David's perspective with the stuff that he had. And my prayer is that we would take away from this portion of Scripture the same perspective that David had. Here's what the Scripture says is David and the people were giving generously to the Lord to build a temple for God. It says the people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And that's what we want at People's Church. I don't ever want you to give out a compulsion. I don't want you to ever give because you feel like somebody's twisted your arm, somebody's manipulated you. That, that's not what we're all about here. I want you to give freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord with a generous heart and with a joyful and cheerful heart. The scripture says, David the king also rejoiced greatly. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. Notice what he says, For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Isn't that good? And most of us would say, yes, I believe that everything in heaven and earth is yours, God, except for my stuff. <laughs> everything else, Lord, is yours. The earth and the, the Lord and the fullness thereof, except for what I got. But David said, no, no, no. Listen to the perspective. Lord, everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O oh Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. David says, yes, Lord, I'm wealthy. Matter of fact, David gave, according to some scholars, he gave over 10 billion. Some say up to 14 billion of his resources in today's economy and money to, to, to the building of the temple of the Lord. And yet David said this, Lord, I realize everything that I've given you. It comes from you. You've given me strength. You've given me power. You've given me the ability to get wealth. In other words, it would be simple. Uh, I'd put it like this. Lord, yes, I'm called to pastor this church, but you gave me the ability. I can't brag about how I'm able to speak. I didn't do this on my own. You, you gave me this talent. 
You gave me the talent to paint. You gave me the talent to write. You gave me the, uh, the talent to administrate. You gave me the talent to lead. You gave me the talent to work with numbers. You gave me the talent to be good with people. Lord, Lord, everything that I've got, strength and power, wealth and honor, there's no way that I can brag and say, I'm the king of Israel. I got myself here. I'm so gifted. I'm so talented. I'm so educated. I'm a self-made man. No, 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 Lord, everything that I've got, my talent, my gifts, it all comes from you. Now, O oh God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Now, notice the perspective. Notice the perspective. Everything comes from you. We have only given you, we have, have given you only what comes from your hand. Wow. I mean, I just, I listened to David. I was like, David, look, man, you killed a bear. You killed a lion. You killed Goliath. I mean, look at, I mean, you did that, David. And David would say, no, no, I became king because of God. I got billions of dollars to give to the building of the temple because of God. Everything that I have comes from God. We struggle with that. Listen, I struggle with that. There are times I want to say, God, Look, I've been working hard. I mean, look, God, I've been dealing with some of these crazy church people. Th that's not you, though, of course. That's none of you. Amen. That's somebody in the other experience I was talking about. I mean, Lord. That's no, no, Herbert, no. No, you got the wrong. Everything you have is mine. I blessed you. It comes from my hand. Verse 15. We are aliens and strangers in your sight as, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. Oh, Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple. And that's where we are today. Lord, with all the abundance that you've given us. And I know today we're in an economic difficult time and we think we're broke and busted and disgusted. But when we look at our world, most of us today, we're rich. We got food on our table. Most of you are not going to, you're not worried about what you're going to eat today. Most of you today are driving a vehicle. Most of us today at our home have running water. Most of us here. In the world standards, man, we are wealthy today. What we're struggling with today in our economic times, we're not struggling with our needs. We're struggling with our wants. I may have to get rid of my iPhone. I may lose my cell phone. My Lord, everybody got a cell phone. My Lord, kids walk around this age walking with a cell phone. And we're, we're struggling with our, our abundance. We, we want more because it's my stuff. And, I, and, and as for all this abundance that we have provided for building your temple for your holiness, it comes from your hand. And all of it belongs to you. What a perspective. And David and the children of Israel were able to give David himself billions of dollars because David understood this thing. I'm on the table. And when God has me, he has my time, he has my body, he has my money. You're the boss, you speak, I listen and obey. You're the boss, everything I has, have comes from your hand. And, and church, I, if you've been here a while, I, I've showed you this illustration because it's just so practical and I've got 10 $1 bills and we struggle with this to say, you know what, all this is God's and not only the paycheck that I get, but the retirement account I have. And, and some of you wish you would have gave that to the Lord. Amen. Last year, that retirement account. Amen. At least you'd have some treasure up in heaven. Amen. That's another sermon. Though. I don't have time to dive down in that anymore. Amen. I looked at mine. I wish I'd have gave more to the Lord after I watched how that thing went backwards. Amen. But it's yours. 
And my savings account is yours. And most of us, we, we don't ever get there. My house is yours. And the cars I have is yours. Everything is yours. What do you want me to do with your stuff? But we come to God and say, God, this is my stuff, and I'm going to do what I want to do to bless you. No, God says, no, no, you got the wrong. This is all mine. I blessed you. And God says, what I want you to do is it's all mine, and I ask you to give one back to me. That's called the tithe. And some of you, on your pledge amount next week, it's not even, you're not there yet. In your faith level and where you are in your walk with God, you're new. Man, for you, it's just, you know what, God, right now, I just need to start returning the tithe. I just need to honor you with the tithe. And, 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 you know, here's the interesting thing is people would say Jesus is the Lord of my life. But statistics say in America that only 2% of the people are on the table and actually returning the tithe to God. 2% of Christians. Because most of us really believe this. We really believe this. Pastor, that's a great message. But this is my stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's good preaching. But, but, but this is mine. And we really do believe that. And so we have a hard time returning a dollar to God. Because we believe it's our stuff. And God says, here's what I want. Return a dollar to me. And then here's where we are today as a church family. It's the other nine we've got left. Saying, Lord, what do you want me to do to advance your kingdom through the crazy campaign? You speak and I'll listen. What do you want me to do? For all of us, it's different. It's not about the dollar amount. It's just equal sacrifice. Hearing the voice of God. All of us are at different levels in our faith walk. Some of us have more faith than others in this place. Some of us have been serving God more than others. Some of us have a gift of generosity, and some of us don't. I mean, we're all a different, but we can all say, God, this is your stuff. What do you want me to do? Do you want another dollar out of the ten? Do you want two? Are you asking me to dip into my savings? What do you, whatever, this is your stuff, and I want to be obedient with you. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's what I want you to take away is this. It's simply all about getting on the table. Because you can never even let God speak to you about your money, about your time, about your body, about your lifestyle until you become a living sacrifice. Say, God, I'm yours. And I want to be obedient to you. And I want to show you a man in our church, a family. And one of our leaders in the church sings on our worship team, leads a community group, one of our coaches. And I appreciate Clarence sharing his story, his journey of wrestling with the issue that everything belongs to the Lord. And I want to honor Jesus Christ with what he's blessed me with. Check out this video. Well, when I first became a Christian, I had a problem with tithing. Um, didn't really understand uh, the whole concept around really just giving. And um, just big problem tithing. It's like I made this money. God wants 10% of it. You know, I was in, used to just giving whatever I felt I, I wanted to give at the time. We... You know, I grew up, we didn't have um, a tradition of church or, or faith in our home, really. Um, and when I became a Christian, that was just an unknown concept. When my wife and I uh, got married, we were having financial problems. Just everything was, a, was an issue. Um, and in my prayer time with God, you know, I just asked uh, for that financial blessing. I asked first why we're, we're suffering the way we're in for that financial blessing. And I think God answered that with, you know, you don't trust me. And it took me a little while to understand that. You don't trust me. What does that mean? And um, I was in church, and, and believe it or not, sermon on tithing. I'm like, ah. Oh. So the, the, the lines were drawn together. And so we started tithing. But even then, I was watching that check. Melinda would write the tithe check, and I'd look at it, and I'd be thinking in my heart, man, that's a lot of money. 
man, that's a lot of money. We're giving a lot of money and we'd have those conversations. I was tithing religiously instead of faithfully, if you know what I mean. Um, I wasn't doing it with that joy. God asked me to give, so I gave, and I was worried about how much money I gave as oh, I was doing God a favor. I prayed about that, and we got to the point where we're giving faithfully, which to me was an evolutionary step. When we got to a point where we're giving faithfully, God truly started blessing our, my relationship with my wife. He started blessing us financially. We moved into a home, our first home. I think we had another phase to get to, and that was the phase of sacrificial giving. And that was, well, you have these things, and, and God's given you the the hearts of your, you know, the desires of your heart, and he's blessed you so that you don't have to worry about bills and things week to week, or he's just blessed you, however, whatever that looks like for you, wherever you want to be, but now you're comfortable, and He's trying to take you, I believe, he's trying to take us out of that comfort zone. I think he tried to do that with the crazy campaign. And so I talked to my wife about a number, and she was like, wow. And she said, well, we need to pray about this. And we did, and we committed to that number. We did sign up for the three times, you know, break it up in three chunks. And when it came time for us to give that first installment of our commitment I didn't even think about it we wrote the check you know what that 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 stage of giving sacrificially um, God's blessed me with a promotion since we made that commitment to the crazy campaign he's blessed us uh, financially in other ways we're able to be a blessing to other people we're able to give a little bit above and beyond our tithe including the crazy campaign we're looking at the things that the church is doing with that money and the church, the things that the church does in its outreach and the blessing that we can be to other people through the church and the things that we give to the church. And I think that's the real blessing. As your pastor, here's what I want you to do. Is I want you to get to a place where you can get on the table. So Lord, it's all yours. I want to be obedient to you. And some of you aren't there right now. And I want you to get to a place where you can do it with a joyful heart. It may hurt a little bit, but there's joy to say, God, I want to honor you and please you. And if you're new today and you question maybe my motives, well, I say this, the Lord's really blessed this church. And if you got ill feelings, oh, preaching, preaching, my body, don't give. Please don't give like that. Keep your money. I want people to give not out of compulsion, but because they want to honor the Lord. They want to see more lives changed. And they truly get to a place where they say, God, everything, my life, my body, my time, my money is yours. How do I use what you've given me to impact people's lives for all of eternity? And I believe if you'll get on the table this week and surrender to God, He'll speak to you. And God doesn't bless the promise. He blesses the faithfulness to the promise that He's spoken to your heart. And as you're faithful to give towards what He speaks to your heart, I can't wait for you to be the next testimony of God's faithfulness in your life. Lord, thanks for the opportunity to partner with you to see more lives change.